Hello and welcome back to this podcast series where we look at some of the things in pharmacy and try to do some explaining within the confines of an 8-ish minute podcast. Sometimes it's about critically appraising the evidence of a new or old medicine. Sometimes it's about how to think about different concepts relating to medicines. And sometimes it's about how different bits of pharmacy work and why they exist. And this is one of those times, as today we're going to be talking about free of charge schemes and asking what the point of them is both to the NHS and the companies that offer them. But to do this, as with most topics, we're going to have to backtrack a bit and talk about what stuff is in the first place before we start talking about what the point of it is. So what is a free of charge scheme? So, as you'll already know, the NHS spends a large amount of money on medicines. Huge amounts. And this money, when it makes it back to the pharma companies, then goes into further research and profit as well, of course. But remember that this profit isn't necessarily a bad thing, as the shareholders of the major big pharma companies are things like pension funds who pay your grandma's pension, and profit is what attracts people to invest in what can be exceptionally speculative research, so that great things like Onosemnogene Abapavovec can be developed. But every so often, big pharma does something unexpected, and decides to give the NHS lots of really expensive medicines for free via a free-of-charge scheme. Which begs the question, why? Why do companies want to give away their good stuff for free? Even though they pay for lots of your grandma's pensions, Big Pharma isn't particularly known for its altruism and social justice, so there must be something in it for them beyond just a warm, fuzzy feeling. So to start tackling this, when might companies give patients medicines for free? Well, as we've said, it tends to be the shiny new expensive things that are just coming onto the market, and there's as many different ways for them to do it as there are drug companies. One of the official ways is by launching an Early Access to Medicine Scheme, or EAMS. An EAMS is officially approved by the MHRA and does what it says on the tin. It gives early access to a medicine via a scheme. Essentially, after the Phase 3 trials have been completed on a medicine, but before a product is granted a licence and so can be sold in the UK, the company making it can apply for participation in an EAMS. This signs them up to provide the currently unlicensed medicine free of charge, usually for a year or so, until they hopefully get a licence. Which sounds like a winner for the NHS and patients, who get a medicine earlier, and for free. But at face value, less so for the company. But what they do get out of it is probably worth the cost. Because they get the opportunity to gather data on effectiveness and safety through real-world use, and then use that to put forward in their case to get nice approval. And they also get put on a bit of a fast track for nice consideration, so that licensing and nice approval come closer together and maybe nudge up the commissioning queue too. All of which gives them a chance to get their product into paid use quicker, all for the cost of a bit of free product for a year or so before it gets a license. But a company doesn't necessarily have to join in through an EAMS scheme to give their products away for free. It's their product that can do what they like with it. And lots of companies do so there must still be something in it for them, even without the EAMS-specific benefits. So looking at some of these non-EAMS schemes, there are some similarities. Lots of them can be seen as what we'd call a bridge to NICE approval, or a bridge to licensing. A clinical trial will end, leaving a load of patients who were in the trial who might very much like to continue on treatment, but there's no licensed or no commissioned product for them to have. If the company doesn't make the product available for free, treatment may stop, which then means that when the product does find its way to the end of licensing or nicing pathways, a lot of their potential customers may have wandered off to use something else. Or, if it's a treatment for, for example, cancer, and the trial medicine looks like it's keeping people alive, it's not a great look to then pull the treatment from these patients. 
Call it corporate altruism, which it might be, or corporate PR, the end result is the same. The company will want to keep treatments going on until the NHS will take over care and actually pay for the product at market rates. Which is similar to the other scenario that we see frequently, which is where there's a very rare condition for which there isn't a recognised treatment or a clinical trial people can sign up to. In these cases, if there's an existing medicine that's thought might be helpful, but is pricey, so unlikely to be affordable, again, a free-of-charge scheme might be set up so that these rare patients can access a potential treatment. The company provide it for free, in return for getting a bit more evidence for efficacy in the form of case reports, and they also get that warm fuzzy feeling of corporate altruism again. So even without the helpful show-through nice approval that participation in an EAMS scheme gives a product, there's still the other benefits of an unofficial free-of-charge scheme remaining. The company can still get hold of real-world data that can help them to move things forward, and they can look like the caring capitalist organisations we deep down know they are. So though at first sight there didn't seem to be much in it for the companies, they actually get quite a lot from giving their expensive products away for free. So does that mean there's downsides for the NHS from what at first sight looked like a no-brainer for them? Well, obviously. So the important thing is that, though the product might be free, the rest of the care isn't. Though you have a free drug, you still need space in your day unit to deliver it, you still need nurses to administer, you still need capacity in your aseptics unit to make it up, and in addition, because the company is getting all this bonus real-world data, someone has to be collecting it. There's often a high administration burden with these schemes, collecting data that you might not ordinarily collect, or sending it to places you might not ordinarily send it, on forms that you wouldn't ordinarily have to fill in. Added to this is the clinical risk of the treatment. Just because it's free doesn't mean that it's the right thing for the patient. If someone's in a clinical trial, there's loads of checks and balances to make sure patients are being treated in line with their best interests and that they are aware of the risks as well as the benefits. With free of charge schemes, there's none of this, so an individual hospital would need to provide replacement scrutiny via DTG groups and other governance structures. And then there's the financial risk too. Just because something's free doesn't mean it'll be free forever. So a hospital entering into a free-of-charge scheme agreement needs to be assured that the exit strategy is robust. You don't want to be left holding an extortionate bill when the scheme closes, or be in the invidious situation of having to withdraw what might have been an effective treatment due to a cash shortage. So that pretty much summarises the main points of free-of-charge schemes. At their best, drug companies get more real-world data and a leg up through approval processes. The NHS gets free drugs. And most importantly, patients get access to medicines that they may not have had access to otherwise. However, there's lots to think about on all sides. The old saying that there's no such thing as a free lunch is very true, and entering into a free-of-charge scheme needs to be considered carefully to ensure that it really is the right thing for an individual patient, that there's capacity in the system to provide the product, that the request for data back to the company is proportionate and deliverable, and that the clinical and financial liabilities are correctly distributed between the parties. It's all very complicated, but with more shinily new expensive medicines coming online for more niche or rare conditions, free-of-charge schemes seem to be becoming more prevalent. So if you work near medicines, it's worth having a bit of awareness of them. Thanks, and see you next time.